Welcome to this episode. We sit down with a legendary band corner shop. We talk about how they got started, challenges they faced, racism in the musical industry today, and the future of music in general. Have a great day, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Corner Shop are a band originating from the early 1990s. In a time where music was typically white dominated, here was a band led by a British Asian person. They have been known to push the boundaries of rock and psychedelic music, fusing different sounds together often challenging the political establishment in this country. With 30 years in the music industry, their longevity to create music is a reminder of the importance of arts in today's world, and through diversity we can achieve a peaceful society. Hello everyone, welcome to this very special episode. We are joined by Tajinda from Corner Shop. Uh, hi, I'm uh, Tajinda Singh from Corner Shop. So Tajinda, how did you get started with Corner Shop? And what was the musical landscape like in the early 1990s? Well, we first got started by not wanting to be in a group and um, just making making up noise, really, uh, because we weren't musicians as such. Uh, but we used to watch a lot of music. And as the months went on, we'd, we realised that the music that we were making was um, was OK compared to the stuff that we were seeing live. So we slowly drifted into been in a more serious band um never really that seriously actually we we were just doing it for the for the social aspect of it and to be meeting up in different places um and to enjoy making different songs on the hoof um and then we played our most southern gig in harlow at the square and we didn't have a great. Well, we we didn't think we had a great gig, but the audience did, and uh, so did Gary from Ouija Records, and so we were signed on that night to Ouija Records, and that sort of made everything a little more serious. Uh, I was on the dole at the time, um, so yeah. it gave me an an idea to not go back to the dole and work very hard at. Uh, the opportunity that we'd been given um and that was it so there was no real there's no real plan at all we fell upon it okay so you would say that after the gig was done and you guys got offered that contract that's when everything sort of came together for you guys as, as a group i think so yeah i mean we were i was actually organizing some shows and putting everything together and the logistics was quite difficult um and along came a label that that said well don't do that and we'll take care of that and we'll organize this and we'll do that so all of a sudden there was um there was a lot of time left aside to just get on with um creating music music mm. yeah what would you say are your musical with that being said what are your main musical influences growing um, up? Well, they're very varied. Um, in terms of Indian music, I would say Pachungi Group, uh, who were from Birmingham. Um, I loved their sound. They did devotional stuff to start with, or at least that's where I yeah. saw them. 
then they mm-hmm. ventured off into um, into more um, non-devotional music, Punjabi folk music, and, yeah. and then unfortunately split up into uh, groups like Apna Sangeet and uh, Golden Star, which I, I didn't particularly like at all. Um, <laughs> so there's the Punjabi folk group side. There's the I like I've I've always loved Christian gospel music that is mm-hmm. like like devotional Sikh devotional music so it has to have make an impact um, and then the rest of it was really um, putting together a jigsaw of a record collection that my parents didn't have so that was exciting mm-hmm. as well and I also think that's what sort of made our sound as we've developed because we didn't have well I didn't have the the Beatles as a direct sort of uh, thing to, to, to listen to. That was something that was had to be put together as well. Um, so it was, it, it was a very enjoyable journey of record collecting and um, finding out different, uh, different kinds of music and really analysing and taking it all in rather, rather than having it on your, on your, at, at your feet and, um, and not thinking about it. You mentioned yeah. um, a, 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 in the article by The Guardian about your hatred for Morrissey. Is that still true today? Oh, uh, I've a hatred for what Morrissey has said. Um, I don't really uh, hate him as a person, else I'd be falling into his sort of trap. <laughs> um, I've got a disdain for what he's putting out. Um, which I think is rather um, um, premeditated, and um, and therefore makes it equally uh, double uh, evil. Um, yeah, because it's something that I'm currently thinking about as well. Because I'm a quite a big fan of the Smiths myself, and the fact that you know you kind of delve deep into Morrissey as a character and you kind of see like his faults and some of the things that he said. It kind of makes you question his music, doesn't it? You know, and, and things that he says sometimes. Um, I, I think so, myself. I mean, we, we, we ha- again, talking to Jigsaws, we put together our own sort of portfolio on what we thought, whether the, whether it was his dodgy lyrics, whether it was his dodgy so time, whether it was his backdrop, whether it was his use of the the flag, whether it it was a whole host of other sort of elements of, of right wingness that he put put forward at the time, and at the time it was a very tenuous thing. Um, it was very easy for people to say to 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 dismiss those things. Um, nowadays it's a lot clearer. I mean, he, he's he's a walking racist and he makes no bones about it and politically he puts himself in that category as well. Um, so nowadays it's quite quite easy and so th- the answer is you have to burn those uh, Smiths. Yeah. Smiths yeah. Yeah. yours. So I've made it very easy for you. <laughs> yeah, you have. <laughs> you have. Uh, what, what, would you say there was like racism in the 90s in terms of music you were making that you were facing from other people <coughs> oh there was and the biggest um, crowd that were against us were um, the Asian people mm. they really hated us um, Ooh, really yeah. oh yeah 
Yeah, we had a hard time with the Asian people. And it's understandable. Anyone who gets up and sings in English is going to be treated with a little bit of disdain, uh, especially throughout of London, not in, in those uh, very far-reaching, great-thinking places like South or mm. uh, where you're from. Uh, if you're from Wolverhampton, then people uh, take uh, a very dim view of that. But if you're also getting a guitar and singing in English um, and on a stage, then people took umbrage to that. Um, so we, we, we had it hard from both sides, actually. <laughs> yeah, quite quite hard, especially when we first started out from the Asian community. They 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 were ready to kill us. Why would you? No why way. Would you, why That's would just, you? Um, like, what were the, what are some of the things they were saying to you? We we played in working men's clubs um, and in places that are a bit more relaxed like that. We had um, we had threats from Asian people as well as as well as English people. Threats. Yeah. Threats. <laughs> Being sucked out of, of venues. They didn't like what we did. Mm, but they didn't think. Right. But wasn't your music trying to like bridge that gap together between you know? They didn't listen to the music. They just saw what was on stage and what was what was being done. Mm. They probably couldn't hear the music for the noise, but um, yeah. So who can blame them? But that's how it was to start with. Um, as time went on and. N- lyrics could be learned uh, and then then things change slow, slowly mm. um but yeah they were uh, definitely a very hard task masters the asian people still are <laughs> still are yeah asian people can be quite critical sometimes isn't it um well they're very fixed in their ways uh, a lot of the time and if you're not if you do something that's not so fixed with them, then it, it can be very difficult to to get through to them. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that that kind of do you think the racism still still there now in terms of the Asians, or it's gone less now since the nineties? Sorry, uh, racism against Asians. Yeah, in terms of um, the music industry now, or do you think, so, so is, do you think it's? Oh no, it's always there. It's always mm-hmm. going to be there. Uh, yeah, it's weird because we're, we're so old uh, that I can sort of look back on a time where we grew up with the default of being black and Asian and we knew our place, whereas in the 90s people started to uh, move away from that. They started to think that their place was exactly the same as any other person in that country and they had mm. a complete right to everything that anyone else had. And woe betide anyone who uh, who thought different. We didn't have that attitude. We had an attitude that we were different and we knew our place. And we had to be quite wary of that. Um, so it's quite weird to for, for that for that kind of question to me because we've, we've always seen ourselves as uh, having we're a different tier to to uh, to the mainstream white people and the mainstream black people as well mm-hmm. and and did that influence the kind of music you guys made um 
Well, yeah, I, I was born in Wolverhampton where Enoch Powell hmm. was um, talking his first load of Brexit nonsense in 68. So I was born, I was born in, in a cloud of that. And that probably influenced me more than any of the, any of the, the trends in music or, or racism of the 90s. Mm, mm. Do you feel like uh, there's been a decline in South Asian artists in the mainstream then? And why do you think that is? You know, I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know if there is or, or there isn't. It probably hasn't been. Um, there seems to be more writers. There's even a few comedians. Um, now I would think there's more people going into the arts than there of, of an Asian bent than uh, there ever has been. Hmm. Whether that makes it any better, I'm not hmm. too sure. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, I think there is a lot of people um, who have been given opportunities that a lot of people wouldn't have in the past, um, and maybe not not too much on merit and some people think that's an, that's an, an okay thing um i mean stuff like um bbc asian network is like a hotbed for young up-and-coming asian talent and it is yeah and some of it you just think well is it justified or are they actually doing anything different or are they doing anything that's even asian uh wh why is there this hotbed there um it's quite it's quite weird to uh, to see that. Hmm. I've also been walked out of uh, BBC BBC uh, Asian Music as well, whatever they're called. Which yeah. I think is quite sad because I think groups like us made them. It it got them the attention that they needed to give them a platform to have a bloody department of Asian <laughs> people there. Sure, yeah, because the British Asian, the whole like, idea of Brit-Asian is, you know, it, it, was, it was derived around your time and uh, they've gotten, where they've gotten so far is uh, sort of based off of whatever happened before. So, yeah. I think so. But in terms of music, I don't think they get music. Um, personally, I don't. Why do, you, why do you feel that way? Because I hear their music and I've heard what they... Like French music, French rap has not changed since the 90s and that's what I find Asian music is. It's just... It's not changed since the mm. 90s. Um, and a lot of a lot of the finger of that has to be pointed at the people who, who are in charge of pushing it and playing it. And I think Asian Digital Network play a very slim remit of nonsense and that's why it's just stayed in in the background and people move away from that organization and do different things like speak the news and other shit like that. anyway i was told to be very positive why <laughs> my wife to keep positive so i'm very positive from now on do you feel like uh lack of, sorry um, which is do you feel like there's a lack of uh, genres in that network then that they're playing you kind of hear the same stuff as you said I feel that they don't want to move away from anything other than what is rather safe. Mm. So if someone came in with a, with the guitar, you know, high gain distortion, and started playing in the Asian network, they probably won't allow it, would they? 
I think they would be treated with the same disdain that we were at mm. the uh, working men's mm. clubs. Mm. The the um... sorry, I've lost my train of thought. Sorry. That's fine. All right. Yeah, so I, yeah, because now, now you've kind of painted the picture. So if, if I've imagined imagine myself just going to a studio and saying, like, I've got like a four piece band, I'm going to, you know, you know, BBC Asian Network. And if I try to play some of the songs, I could just get rejected, really. That's not really right, is it? You could, I could get be rejected song? from the building, you know what I mean? I wouldn't be allowed to play. <laughs> Uh, you probably wouldn't get in there yeah. to start with. <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah. Probably thrown out by security. It's quite sad. <laughs> nope. Well, it does. It does happen. Did you face these obstacles in your time when you guys were like going to radio stations and, like, let's say you were in, when you guys made music, were there any obstacles in terms of like radio stations playing your music as well at the time? Um. Yeah, there, there, there always has been obstacles. And in a way, that's what made it interesting. That's what made it um, enjoyable because you have to beat obstacles. And so we of course. try to change what we do and um, and keep it interesting for ourselves and hope that other people will be carried away by the interest as well. So we've never really stuck with uh, just one sound. We've always liked, we've, we've, we've liked to reflect the um, record collections and we'd like to go for lots of different sounds that makes it harder because so, things don't stick so readily but yeah. it also makes it more interesting for ourselves uh, yeah because it's an exciting journey isn't it that you go on um, I, I think what we've done as a journey has been pretty much uh, as exciting as it gets because yeah. we, we're totally independent from the start We've been on medium, we've been on small, we've been on major labels, we're now on our own label. So we've seen the yeah. whole gamut of it. Um, and, you know, after so many years of coming out with an album that we've just come out with, which people perceive as our best album, is is quite a feat. And so I, I don't think we've ever done anything that's not been that interesting as far as I'm concerned because um, because it's all new ground. It's not uh, it's not where anyone else has been as such. Yeah. And when uh, when the Brim of Usher song exploded, the remix, right? Were you guys expecting that? Or like, what was your reaction when you heard about it doing so well? Well, we, we'd already... We were already having a lot of success with the album that um, the original was on um, when I was born for the seventh time, and we were in America by then. Um, yeah. So really, if anything, that sort of it sort of dampened the flames of what the album was doing. And in America, you have to build uh, an album up, and it takes months and years to actually put the hard work in and, and get that through. And we'd got the spin album of the year. We'd done really well in Rolling Stone and other places. MTV were playing us all the time. When that yeah. came along, we, we didn't know what to expect. But when we heard it, we knew that it was it was going to be on fire. We thought it was a great remix, and it was, uh, yeah. and it still is. Um, and unfortunately for us, um, 
that took a lot of the shine off the album but it also gave the industry going back to the industry a nice excuse to just slap us down a bit and say well that's it's, it's a remix and they couldn't give us the credit completely that would be too much um it 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 could have been a lot worse for us if we didn't have that uh, remix but the album after that had songs like lessons learned from rocky one to rocky three um and that could have done uh, quite quite well without all the focus on something like Brim from last year. So one never knows which way it could have gone. Yeah, we we love the remix. We love the original. We love everything we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is your favourite um, sort of piece of work that you guys have made? What was your what's your personal favourite of everything that you guys have created? Um, I. I I really love Motion Eleven. I'm, I'm not doing the vocals on it, but I wrote that. Um, um, Lessons Learned is is a wonderful song, I think. Um, there's quite a few stage in the plaguing of the race platform. Was John Peel's one of John Peel's favourite songs of ours, uh, and then stuff off the new album. Pretty much all of it is is quite close to our heart because we put so much effort into it. Um, so we, yeah, we, 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 uh, and then there's other stuff that's like the bubbly core album. We're very, very pleased with that. I think that's still ahead of its time. I don't, I don't see that, um, going out of fashion mm. at all. If anything, I think music is going more towards that, especially Asian music. And that was done just, a, just after the turn of, of the century. So we're, we're still very pleased with that. How was that touring with Oasis, by the way? Oh, it was, it was great, yeah. Again, we didn't know what to expect. Um, we we turned, It was in America, so we turned up and the, the venues were massive arenas. Um, and on the first night, they played. Well, I think we met some of them in Soundcheck, and then they played and then we went backstage and we all really got on very well. Um, their their crew uh, were very nice and uh, helpful to us. We were they were treated with lots of hospitality, and um, it and we we got on so well that we then did a song with the bass player and we did a song with Noel as well. Um, but it was it was all very positive we didn't see that much arguing within them as a group and um it was i don't think there could have been two more two more um akin people put together that sounded so different um and noel would come on and play jill and the share at the end mm. with us wow. um, and we we ben and uh, anthony would sometimes join them on stage as well we got on and uh, i I lived in Manchester in '89, um, and we were studied in Preston, so we we knew how Northern folk are, and uh, um, it was it was great. Does the reputation by the media is it true, or is it just all phony? I would say it's true. It's just that we didn't see that much of it uh, on tour. We saw there was some weird things going on backstage. And it was definitely rock and roll, but you know that's. Uh, sorry, my phones are. That's uh, that's what makes them, or mm. broke them. 
you also mentioned in a recent Guardian article that you didn't see the band as part of Brit- Britpop. Do you feel Britpop wasn't as big as it was perceived? No, I don't think Britpop was. I think Britpop was a name and it was a marketing tool and it was a collective of of British artists put un- under one umbrella uh, to make it very easy for, for the British industry to sell itself abroad. Um, I think it's more of a thing now than it was then. Um, it wasn't anything. And if anyone, no one, no one has ever admitted to being in a Britpop mm-hmm. band. No one. Um, because it's a very embarrassing Again, wag flag-waving um, um, piece of nonsense. There's nothing to it. No, no group has ever said we're Britpop, mm. but that's the moniker. Mm. And how does it feel to be like a part of that moniker then? Because in we don't feel we don't feel that. I and mean, when we first started out, we were under the auspice of Riot Girl, um, and then very quickly, quite frankly. Asian underground um, and then we, we moved on we moved uh, whether it's Britpop or whether whatever it is we've never as I said we, we do different songs so we don't we've never we've never felt the luxury of being within uh, a certain remit and we've never had the the uh, we've never had the disbenefit of being uh, held back by uh, a certain group we just do our own thing. I know, shocking. <laughs> it's weird, yeah. I guess like it is true to some extent. When I do read some artists like Oasis or Blur, and when they say "oh, battle, battle of the Britpop," and they're kind of like, "well, we're not battling each other. We don't really care about you know Blur versus Oasis, for example, or the whole idea of Britpop." You know? So it's kind of interesting to see your perspective through it and how it's kind of shared amongst the other bands at the time who were also perceived as Britpop as well yeah no, I think it was a marketing tool more mm. than anything um, it was a very the time itself was very vibrant obviously Labour had just got back in mm. um, being in London was great the clubs were great the technology in clubs the audio visual stuff was, was just starting um, it was it was um, a multimedia sort of thing to go into a club rather than just go into a dingy dingy place in the East End. Um, everything was up to little, and everyone was quite enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I, I might not care for Britpop, but I do think that uh, being a band throughout the 90s was uh, was an excellent time to be mm. being about i also think it was the last time where there's a lot there was a lot of money flying about there's no money in uh, in in the industry anymore obviously because of brexit so this year it's dead but um even the rest of this uh, century has been uh, people have had to sell their souls to get money rather than uh, just sell a few records um, I wanted to ask about Brimford Asher again. How did uh, Norman Cook uh, contact you guys about it? 
Well, he actually got in touch with the record label. Um, we were in America, and we were told that he'd heard the song on radio and that he wanted to do a mix of it. Um, one thing about the original was that there was no bass on it, and Norman's a bass player, so he thought that even if he had added the bass, then it would uh, do something to uh, make it different. And um, so we said yes, and he came back with uh, with his mix, and that was that. And would you say uh, Bollywood was a musical inspiration? No, no, I wouldn't. Uh, Hindi, Hindi films, maybe. Um, Bollywood to me is a bit like Bangra. Folk music was fine. Bangra sort of took it a bit too far. Um, Hindi music was f- fine. Bollywood takes it a bit too far. Um, I used to love the Hindi films, but I started to dislike them sort of mid, uh, towards the mid, mid-80s. They were all the same. And um, and some of the stars I just couldn't be doing with. How do you feel about the uh, the musical landscape changing for, say, Bangra music at the time? Um, I thought it was uh, very. Um, Did you uh, have like influences from re- reggae and stuff coming in and remixings and stuff happening in the nineties. That was 90s, but late 80s was more Bangra. Um, it, it was... I, f- I thought it was a false sort of amalgamation of, uh, of West and, 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 uh, and Indian. Uh, and you could, you could hear that. Uh, simply putting drum beats onto uh, tracks to make them more Western or putting a bass line in. Um... You went to a wedding and a reception and you'd see these bands get bigger and bigger and then all of a sudden they'd be saying, I'll buy our, our single because we want to hit hit the uh, hit the, the out, uh, single charts. And when I heard things like that, I, I thought, that sounds a bit <laughs> shit. And it's, uh, it's just not that sincere. So, <laughs> um you know, other people might take a view. Well, that's what they needed to do, and I, I didn't. Uh, it's the same with Nazrat Fateh Ali Khan. He, his music was untouchable. So when people did touch it and did make mixes of it, they just spoilt it. I think so. I think you ruined you it. Yeah, you that's can't very touch true. that and make it any better. <laughs> Because it's it's just steeped in a tradition, um, and putting horrible keyboard bass lines on it, and just killed it. Loved him. <laughs> he he is pretty good. Um, what I wanted to know is how long, how much time goes into oh, yeah. making like a song for you guys? It, it varies. Sometimes they're just done off the hoof. Sometimes they take months. Sometimes they take years. I think nowadays it it takes takes a bit longer. When you get older, it gets it gets harder to 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 give a sure. shit. <laughs> <laughs> so how long? So your most recent album. 
you know, um, I realized that there was a five-year gap from your most recent album and then the album that was released before that, if I'm correct, I think. Um, so, you know, is that... So you, were you guys working on the most recent album in that time or was it like, did it take exactly five years or was it, you know, longer than that Some or was it shorter than that? than that? Or we started before that. Yeah. Um, some songs were done just before, just before we, we started mastering. Sorry, mixing, sorry. <clears throat> um, sure. Yeah, it's, it, it, it was a, it was a, it was a difficult album to do because we needed to get it right. We need to make an impact, and we didn't. Sure. Want, that's why we used less technology on it. We wanted to make it more in the same motorway, and um, we yeah. needed to to we needed it to be to work, and and it did work. And um, the reviews mm -hmm. have been absolutely great, and it's still going. So we're very happy about that, um, and it's still got the variety still got the politics still doing something different and um yeah we couldn't we couldn't really be more happy about it because uh being in the industry as long as we have uh, it's 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 a shock to us as well that uh, people have taken to it so so uh, so well yeah it is quite well uh well put together actually so uh, a little bit of background about me um i'm not really someone that um has grown up listening to rock music or indie music or any sort of like you know that sort of stuff i usually listen to a different kind of music um so um Hominda, you know obviously he's been a big fan of your band for, for such a long time so he told me to check you guys out um and when i went to listen to your music and i listened to your um most recent album and there were genuinely songs on there that i genuinely enjoyed um so i have actually made notes of the songs that, that are my favorite i've got two that i know uh one of them is uh i'm a wooden soldier i like that one quite a lot and also like slingshot as well i think that's pretty good um so what i wanted to know is um you know, so when I when I listen to the whole album, the the big the first thing I picked up on is is something that's very different to anything I've ever heard before. So you literally rightly said that it's a very different sound. It's good, uh, and it's good to listen to. And there's also a a sense of like a it just it, it gives you a lot of different flavors as you go to go for each song. You know, so what makes you decide? Oh, this is the song that's going to go on an album. And let's say if you've got an album that has ten songs, do you make like twenty songs for an album, and then do you decide, okay, from this twenty, we're going to filter down to these ten songs? How does right, that process yeah. work? Well, with this particular album, we we just worked on songs and just carried on. I carried on writing. I was actually, I was actually not in a position to write too much uh, lyric wise anyway and my head wasn't really there but musically the ideas were still going mm. on so we just persevered with recording yeah. musical ideas and then some musical ideas would have one line uh, of chorus in them or or um, a certain breakdown of in, in of, of a of a verse and the rest of it would be filled in with it, with either mumbles or repeated lines. Uh, 
Yeah. And that's how I, I carried on. And so normally the the ideas are lyrics first and then the music comes after that. This time round it was was different. Sure. Um, the music came first and then the, the 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 brain had to be then put into the into the head. And uh, yeah, so it was different. Oh, um, okay. But it um it was good to do that. Uh, we're lucky because we had the time to do it. Um, we, I don't think a lot sure. of the groups have have that time because um, we're on our own label, yeah. and so we'd waited so so long to put it out. And I also think we we waited for a good time to put it out. I don't think the climate would have been there if we'd have put it any earlier. Um, Why is that? I think people were still into indie music that was um, all, all band or just single people, single song songwriter people. Uh, and slowly that started to yeah. go, to turn back. And also the sound, our sound is, some of it is, is, is uh, retro sounding, some of it's not. Um, but I, don't, I just don't think the climate would have been there for ears to be open as much as uh, as much as they 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 have been uh, last year and this year. So, so how long were you sitting on this uh, um, project for? About five years. Yeah. So. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that explains the the sort of the gap from your second um, second last album to this. Okay, interesting. And also, um, you know, you, you tend to see with a lot of bands, um, they get together and you know they have great success, and then the band, not all the time, but it tends to fall apart. But your band is still stuck together, which is a you know really great thing to see. So. Um, What's made you like all of you guys stick together? What's been the glue to keeping you guys together even well, after all these years? Me and Ben uh, studied together, uh, so we've known each other. Since, oh, okay. We've, we've known each other more than half our lives, um, and we've always got on. We've never really had uh, any arguments, and uh, maybe the yeah. odd musical difference, but not many because we are. We, we generally do uh, tend to like what each other like whatever each other likes so that's been a big thing um, and I also think that um, the way that we've been as a band as I say starting from working men's clubs and working ourselves up to playing in around the world and um, that's yeah that's not been something that's totally been overnight it's had to be worked on um and so that's that's been to our benefit as well um and we don't actually tour anymore anyway we stopped uh, over five years ago um and therefore we concentrated our energies towards uh, making songs and recording them We've all got different. Uh, we, most of us have families, except our percussionist, um, who's got his percussion, and um, we tend to just um, 
do whatever we can nowadays to just record when we can. Um, and so that's been, uh, that's saved us as a group as well. Would you go back on tour anytime in the future? Hopefully not. No, hmm. I think we, we've, well, I've certainly had enough of touring. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of bands that still talk to this day like Rolling Stones for example well um, and I think it's great I think if they've got the energy to do it and uh, whoever they are um, and if they've got the uh, the public to do it then, then that's excellent um, we just I just had enough um, especially with America because as I said America's a hard slog so we would be out there um, like two months at a time and it was it started to, uh, to it starts to get to you um, but no I, I, when we were touring I loved it I thought it was a, it was a wonderful thing but as I say when other things come into play like families and uh, and just uh getting older then uh, there, there's other things to do than than uh, than just make make music um sure which uh, yeah but i mean obviously i wish the rolling stones wouldn't do it because i much more preferred them in uh, 73 but uh yeah that's just how it is <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um, what would you say is the future then for Corner Shop then? You know, I, I really don't know. Um, the the one great thing that um, that the last album has done for us is not only has it was it received very well, but it's also opened up the avenues of the past albums that we've done. So mm. people have gone more for. Um, back catalogue and uh, as I said I think it's a very interesting story that we put uh, in in the way that we went about things and certainly what we left behind in terms of recordings we feel that um, a lot of a lot of the albums have references that are in different songs that are the same uh, that sort of link link with each other or they have characters that are the same that link with each other so so you, you, you're just there recording mm. albums and trying to get things finished and before you know it, you're a few albums down the line and everything's um, everything's like a chessboard on one board and people can see it and it makes for an intriguing uh, bit of chess. It does indeed. So... Uh... Do you, do you guys see yourself like making another album or two, or is that is that we something you guys haven't spoken about, about yet? Um, we we still speak a little um, with lockdown. Ben lives in Tooting. I'm in Hackney, so um, we haven't. I think we've seen each other once in the last year. <laughs> yeah, lockdown's been crazy, it has. hasn't it? Uh, <laughs> Everyone has felt, whether they want to admit it or not, um, everyone's been mentally and uh, physically changed, some more than most. And um, it will be very interesting to see what happens when and if we ever get back to normal. And 
with this government. I don't think we'll we'll get that. <laughs> I really hope it's the case of when rather than if. <laughs> I'm really hoping. I imagine in the news <laughs> pubs that don't do drinks anymore. That'll be a change. Pubs about some bread. What do you think of the current uh, political landscape? you're quite outspoken about politics well um i'm anti-brexit um mm. i was always anti-brexit i was anti-brexit in 68 when enoch powell came out with brexit i'm anti-brexit now even though it's happened and i will be anti-brexit even if in a few years uh it is a success because it will never be a success it might be it will never be a success it's an absolute um true it's an indignity to the people um, that have voted these idiots in and allowed them to uh, take them, uh, allow allow themselves to be taken by false premises. Uh, we are fucked. In the last two days, mm. they've been Elton John <laughs> talking about uh, the negotiations need to be redone. I think they should have been a lot more se- severe about it before it was done, because. Um, they were in a more of a position uh, than most to actually say what what shit was uh, ahead of us. In a way, Britain deserves yeah. that shit. It needs to eat that shit. Um, that's it's it's the mindset of, of of what what the British have allowed themselves to be. Um, I found it very sad that some Asians voted uh, Brexit. I think that's pitifully pitifully sad. That's that that hurts. Um, but so is the. Uh, that's how the uh, the decades have been. People forget uh, where, where Asians, in particular, have come from. Yeah, come from. They, that's the they, thing. They, yeah. they forget too readily where what, what parents and other people have had had to endure, and uh, for them to vote Brexit, I think, is a is a, a tragedy. And that's before you fetch COVID into it. And COVID is handled so badly, it's unbelievable. Um, Mm. The deaths, the death rate uh, is astronomical, given that it's a small island. Um, It's not looking good for that uh, buying the bread in in a pub, quite frankly. But other than that, fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, I think it's I think Labour are shite. They're really doing bad. Mm. And, uh, Corbyn was terrible. Um, so there's not that much to to look forward to. I mean, I'm more of a Green Party person nowadays, and unfortunately, without. Mm proportional representation they don't stand a chance either mm, mm. at least there's bloody hope no, yeah um labor labor seem to be waiting oh. for uh, wait a, a bit like bangra they're waiting for the scene to change for them and uh, to benefit <laughs> With a bit of, uh, without the hard work it needs to go into it uh 
So uh, I'm very disappointed with Labour. I was a dyed-in-the-wool Labour, Labour supporter. Mm. Oh, my God. Yeah. So was my family. Like, we were still are, you know, but it's. I just feel like Labour is not as strongly re- represented anymore. I feel like the people that represent Labour now or the people that are part of the Labour Party, they don't they don't really try to get the point across as strongly um, as the years before, as the years gone by, uh, which is really bad to see. It's it's not nice. Uh, it definitely makes my parents very upset, I can tell you that. <laughs> I think, again, proportional representation, if Labour were really into the idea of winning or indeed winning people over and changing the country they would be into proportional representation um, mm. but they're not they're quite yeah. happy with this two-party system uh, where they play t- table tennis with with the Tories every uh, few years and mm. it's just not good enough for the country unfortunately because shit like brexit can get through and yeah it's... Like covid can get through kind of like blurs the line between like what you're voting Labour and Conservative for. It just feels like, you know, just two parties in the same pod, isn't it, really? Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't... Labour hasn't really distinguished themselves as far from the Tory ideal, no. can they? No, that's the trying yeah. to keep the powder dry, and uh, that, yeah. that, that doesn't work. No, they're trying to keep their hands clean. Yeah. You know, we have to make them dirty first, do you know what I mean? They won't do that, so... No. There's some, there are some good people in Labour. There's some great orators, but not non, none that uh, one would be swept by anymore, fortunately. I just wanted mm. to quickly ask, um, what do you want to see in today's like South Asian music from the UK? You know, that, that that's not probably a question for me. Um, <laughs> because I've never wanted to see anything. I, I'm always surprised if I see something different. If you say you want to see something, then really you're moulding something, again, a bit like Bhangra, into something that you want to see, which isn't, like Labour, hard work. You've got to put the hard work in, and surprise is what I want to see then, maybe. Surprise. Mm. I want to see something that that, that makes me think a bit. Um, but like with the, the two-party system, the... the the idea of music also seems to be, well, put your lot in with whatever the common denominator is and try not to do anything different or out of the ordinary, I think. I mean, I, I'm not particularly into a lot of African, Caribbean, uh, American hip-hop sort of stuff, but I, I do think that they're trying to do something different in the way that uh, some of the songs I hate Kanye West as a person, but in terms of the music that he's pushing, I think it's really pushing on a lot of levels, not just the lyrics, but the production and uh, the way that he's put songs together. It's pretty strong. Um, I I mean, I don't know. Also, I'm old. You know, my kids, my kids are in a position, my eldest is old, older than I was when I started the band. And so, really, I look to them to sort of do things and uh, see what they want to come up with. Um, but are you are you like family members? Are you siblings into music like yourself, or do they have like other well, career plans in mind? My oldest is is he he's doing a degree in music, so he he uh, he likes music, but it's more 
it's more technology-based music, um, which which are which, which doesn't really do it for me. <laughs> see, I struggled to see that. <laughs> Trying to put it the nicest way possible, well, <laughs> it just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> I wish it did, but it, it doesn't. Um, you prefer analog over digital? No, it's not even that. I've I've learned to um, embrace digital as digital became better as a technology. When digital first started, it was. Hmm. It was quite coarse. If anything was um, distorted, it would just tweak. It would make piercing sounds, uh, and it had no headroom. Nowadays, digital has the headroom of uh, of analog. It and therefore it's so much easier to be uh, working with digital and going back to mixes after a few months or years um so the benefits of digital i think are immense um the quality of analog i think is partly to do with the brain and how one perceives with analog there was a lot of noise studio noise different units had their own noise and that added to a certain sort of texture um so yeah, I think in the nineties there was definitely a lot of people um, hurt by by uh, which way to go. I was very lucky to to come across when I was in France to come across uh, someone who worked with MP3s and developed MP3s. Who he did a seminar on uh, wow. the difference between uh, vinyl and MP3s and part. Part of the vinyl is that you you also have your 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 clicks and your needle hit in certain areas, and so you learn to live with those clicks, and you learn to deal with the anticipation of the record coming in. So it's the brain that's at work, and um, then when yeah. vinyl got transferred to digital, it was a lot cleaner. All those noises had gone. They'd try to push the power up, but they'd yep. they'd wreck the mix. Mm. Um, so people were in people were in a in a kerfuffle, and uh, nowadays they can uh, sort that kerfuffle out because the technology is a lot better. Mm. Yeah, that's the analog and digital thing sorted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on that note. Um, it has been amazing to have you on our podcast, Tajinda. I definitely can tell you from my experience, I have learned a lot um, speaking to you because there was a lot of things that I didn't know about, um, especially, you know, coming from someone who has been making music for such a long time. So um, it's definitely been a learning journey for me. So I appreciate you um, coming on our podcast and talking to us about your journey and answering our questions. And I uh, uh, hope the best for you and your band the, oh, thank you. Thank you. for the future. Uh, thank you. And I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you for coming on as well. It's been a, it's been quite crazy because I remember watching uh, the video for Brimful of Asher uh, like about 15 years ago when I was a kid. <laughs> and now I'm interviewing you as well after all these years. So it's kind of crazy. So Lovely. For me, that's kind of cool. But thank you for jumping on the podcast this episode. 
Thank you. Thank Take you care. once again. Cheers. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye.